Coming up on Chasing the Natty, the transfer portal just keeps on a portal in and we'll have all the major updates for you around it. We'll also have a few bowl games from this past weekend to discuss how they may give previews into some of next year's squads. To help us out with this, we have special guests Jeremy Miller and William Barnett from the CFF List account on Twitter and Instagram here to help you discuss it all with us. All this and more coming right after this. Zappi looking to Jared Stearns who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. It is going to be the last CTN episode of the calendar year. Again, as I mentioned last week, I will be heading out of town on vacation for the next two weeks. Going to have a good time. Would love to keep up with everything and keep the show rolling during that time, but that's just not going to be able to happen, so you guys are going to have to be patient with me until I get back to you guys in the new year. But until then, we keep things rolling until I have to get out of here, so we're going to be discussing all things Transfer Portal today. Got a lot of updates for you guys on that, and we'll be discussing some of these early on bowl games Uh, look at some of the results of those and see if there's any kind of information we can gleam out of it in order to start thinking about next year. And some guys that might start popping early to help us out with it. I have two awesome guests with us today. I have Mr. Jeremy Miller and Mr. William Barnett, colloquially known as J. Mill and Willie B., on Twitter in the CFF space. Uh, they run the CFF list account. You have probably seen them all over Twitter this past offseason in terms of their awesome graphics they put together, in terms of the competition that they hold weekly in order to help you guys find uh, waiver wire picks every single week. They have done a fantastic job throughout the season. So, gentlemen, welcome. Jamie, we'll start with you. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, really good, really good. Uh, I've got some good NFL fantasy things going on in the playoffs, and uh, you know, hopefully, my team will finish strong. And uh, really happy to be here. Like I was telling you pre-show, you know, we look at you as uh, one of the top voices uh, in in this uh, area, and um, you know, we're really honored to be here. You know, it's a, it's been a fun year, and uh, our first year on Twitter, uh, you know, with with you and the rest of the gang that puts out such great content. And uh, you know, we can't wait to to have a good discussion. Yeah, I look forward to it, too. Willie, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing the same, man. Uh, no complaints. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you guys, like I said earlier, you guys have been doing awesome work throughout the offseason. Um, before we get started in everything here, what you guys got anything you guys are working on, like in terms of what you're planning, maybe expanding Oof. stuff next year? Or are you going to keep doing the same thing? What, what are we doing? Yeah, the good thing is we've, we've, got, um, we've got two years under our belt as far as, um, you know, what we've produced during a season uh it it was our first year on twitter so a lot of people probably didn't see year one since the instagram uh account is actually now 
you know, half the size. In, in our first year of Twitter, we, we kind of doubled the audience uh, and, and found the right place, I think, for our content to reach the people we need to reach. But, um, you know, we, you know, everybody's got their, their, their niche and their groove. And I think what we're best at is uh, kind of consolidating information. Uh, I agree. You, you and some of the others tend to get a little deeper in, into the weeds with, you know, how you break down players and analyze players. But I think at some point you need somebody to kind of sift through all the muck and put out, you know, nice, neat, clean, you know, uh, macro views of the situations. And, and, and that's where it kind of coincides with, with our name, you know, college fantasy football lists, you know, we want to consolidate all the information and make it easy to get for everybody. So, you know, we'll be tracking the portal. We'll be tracking the coaching changes, but our, our, critical information won't be coming out, you know, until a little bit more of the, uh, you know, those things are settled, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that shapes up when we've got enough players and enough coaches and landing spots, and we'll put together our lists of the, the players you probably need to pay the most attention to and the coaching changes you need to pay the most attention to next year. All righty. Will, you got anything to add to that? No, I'll just, I mean, I'll just say that uh, our editorial side, uh, that's for uh, 2023, that's already scheduled out. Perfect. I'll just put it to you that you way. Uh, we're ready to go. We, we, it, Jeremy always comes up uh, with some other nice little tidbits that we need to add to add, put a little bit extra in. I mean, we, we have a few weeks set into the year that we can uh, expound on what we what we did in 2022. But for the most part, everything is scheduled out. Now it's just, you know, the, putting our feet to the fire getting all the information put in and so that we can have it released in a timely fashion and uh, move it on. Yeah, you guys do fantastic work. And if for some reason you are listening to this podcast and you do not go and follow these guys already, they are at CFF lists on Twitter. Do you guys want to hand out your uh, separate Twitter handles as well? Or do you want to just do the account? Yeah. I mean, if you want to follow us, you know, we, uh, we, we're there also just, you know, a lot less football talk, you know, on my personal account, but it is there. OG J mill. You get a little more music on that side. There you, uh, go. you know, a little, little more uh, family, which is related to football. I got the three boys that all played in college, but uh, that's winding down. Uh, and then uh, Willie, you want to give yours? Yes. Willie B's W I L L E B Z. Um, I do still, I do a lot of 49er stuff. Don't, you know, I, I, I do <laughs> die, die hard 49er fan, but, yeah. um, he's a pre bandwagon, he's pre bandwagon 49ers. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is uh before the catch type deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll do a lot, do a lot more, uh, NFL than I, than I do college, you know, on my personal account, but you know, that, that'll probably end up changing. Yeah, that and that makes sense. And no shame in homerism. We embrace homerism over here. Everybody knows how much of a fan of the dogs I am. I uh, don't really speak as much about my Falcons, but there's a reason for that. Um, again, right. they do great content over there with, at CFF List on Twitter, especially if you are new and you're getting into the game of CFF. And like they said earlier, you're just looking for baseline information. Who is performing well? What are the changes you need to know? then they are the guys to go to. They do a great job with all of that. Appreciate it. Now is my turn to pitch the wonderful work we do over here at Campus to Canton. I am part of the CFF team over here, as well as Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, Chris K, and Ethan Sowers. We got all sorts of content for you guys. We got podcasts. We got articles. We got CFF rankings. Those will be out pretty much right, <clears throat> excuse me, right about the time 
that all of the deadlines pass for the NFL draft in terms so we'll know which players are coming back, which ones aren't, and we'll get those to you very quickly. We'll get those mock drafts up and running for you guys in late January as well. A lot of you probably want to break. That's fine. But for those of you who are year-round CFF diehards, we got all of it for you. So absolutely go check out all of our content at Campus Canton, the place to get all of your C2C, Devi, and CFF news and information. So, gentlemen, we got a lengthy show ahead of us, kind of dividing up into two sections here. We'll first talk about some of the transfer portal updates. We'll talk about where some people have landed, some people who have entered, uh, some players where it seems like the um the vibe is starting to shift onto where they land so we'll definitely discuss some of that but first we do again it's sad that we have to talk about this but you know we have to give credit to one of the great cff coaches in terms of the guy who really got the ball rolling for some of these pat heavier pass systems that we really take advantage of so much in cff but of course if you haven't heard the news Coach Mike Leach, the current or the most recent head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and before that, Washington State, Texas Tech, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, UK, and Valdosta State. He unfortunately passed away this past weekend from what it sounds like was a heart attack. Um, surrounded by friends and family, it sounds like he had a Christmas uh, party right beforehand. So he had himself a wonderful last night before this happened, and it sounds like he went peacefully uh in the hospital again like i said uh this is the father of a lot of modern cff systems you got guys like lincoln riley who are underneath him cliff kingsbury who's up in the um who is up in the nfl now running a, a similar air race style system again we're all definitely going to miss him we all of course adore his funny quirky moments in sideline interviews whether also giving the weather report that was funny to find out about so j mill and willie b uh you guys got anything you want to say real quick on mike leach uh i'll i'll go first because i i jeremy yeah, may he's have, always uh, been a, a favorite lot of more things here um sorry jeremy but um uh, i just i just wanted to say that you know for for somebody who um you know wasn't a player in college but his tree is 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 it's going to be incredible to see over the decades how far this tree grows i'll I'll just say that i agree right yeah his, his impact um you know in the passing game the way it changed in college football is uh you know second to none i, I think those are the things and the tributes we've seen on tv and other outlets you know people have spent a lot of time on uh along with his personality. I mean, I don't really know anyone that, that didn't appreciate his sense of humor, kind of the dry wit that he had and, and the way he, you know, wasn't afraid to, to let that be seen in the public. I think you've got a lot of coaches that are more, you know, full of humor and, and have a humorous side than they let on in front of the public, but, you know, he wasn't afraid to let it show. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, since, since it is a, a fantasy show, I, I don't want to dismiss his death. I, I'd, I'd rather you know, uh, honor it by, by speaking about, you know, a lot of the great things he did in, of in terms of family. Um, so I, I really went back and, and, you know, being the consolidators of information we are, I uh, wanted to look at kind of the big picture and, you know, was pretty amazed at some of the stats that popped out, you know, in terms of his 21 years of coaching, um, you know, every single year he was a head coach, uh, 
every single team was in the top 20 in passing offense. I don't know if people realize that. Um, and, and aside from that, uh, more than half of those, you know, his teams were number one in the country in passing offense. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, I don't think you'll ever see a coach have that kind of success again in terms of what they do, uh, you know, with the passing game. Uh, but even, even along with that, you know, 12 of his, his 21 seasons, uh, they were they were in the top 18 in scoring. So, you know, more than half of his seasons, it's not just that he was a, a passing offense genius. You know, he, it translated into scoring points. You know, 12 out of 21 to be in the top 18 in scoring in the country, you know, is really proving that, you know, the system uh, that a lot of people thought was a little gimmicky at first and, and you know, wasn't going to translate into production overall, uh, it really did. And, and, and you know, he, he was a trendsetter. He's a pioneer and somebody will always appreciate. Obviously, you know, those of us who were early in understanding that college fantasy football is about the system. You know, Mike Leach was a hero. I mean, mm -hmm. You knew if you could get your hands on a Mike Leach quarterback, you better grab him, you know, in, in the first five picks. If, if other people were willing to overlook him, you've got people like Halliday, Graham Harrell. Uh, recently, you know, he, he took Will Rogers from, you know, kind of a very average first season, you know, into a quarterback that, that really produced, you know, in his last two years uh, at Mississippi State. You know, the, the shame, you know, aside from obviously, you know, the, you know, him passing away period is, you know, year, year three and four are really the years he started to turn programs completely around. Mm -hmm. So we won't get to see what he was going to do in the SEC, which was obviously the ultimate challenge. Um, but you can, you can see from the record they had this year and how he improved in the last three. You know, he was on his way to, to kind of making his footprint in the SEC like he did everywhere he was. Yeah, so just your, your volume is dragging a little bit. Um, and and th this may be um, something that you we probably would never believe. But I honestly believe it myself that had he – we're able to have another three to four years, we would probably be seeing uh, one of his quarterbacks throwing for 6,000 yards. I, I honestly believe, believe that. I, I honestly yeah. do believe that. And it's, it's sad that we won't ever be able to see that. Now, now maybe, uh, you know, the, the, ki the kids from USC, maybe they'll get there. But I, I think that seeing that coming out of the SEC would have been just been monumental. It would have been absolutely crazy. And again, God bless Mike Leach. God bless his family, all of them in this trying time. Obviously, for a lot of this, this came out of nowhere for a lot of people. But like I said earlier, it sounded like he had a really good last day. There's a lot of happy memories right there at the end. So that's pretty much all you can ask for when life gets as unpredictable as it is. So that being said, we'll move on to a much different note here. Again, God bless Mike Leach. And we'll get right back into Portapalooza 2023 edition over here. We got plenty of names to talk about here today. Uh, we'll be discussing, uh, just like kind of last week, we'll have the players that we're going to dive just a little bit deeper on. We think are going to have a bigger impact going into next year. And then we'll have um, some honorable mentions that we'll kind of skim through real quick. If either Jane Bill or Willie B, if you guys are either one of you guys are just dying to talk about one of the players in honorable mentions, I'll give you a chance to do some real quick speaking on that. But first, we'll get we'll get to the biggest hallelujah so many of us in the <laughs> CFF industry had last week, and that was Austin Reed, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky, 
returns to Western Kentucky. He will be withdrawing from the transfer portal. There was a lot of talk about him going to Louisville, and he would have probably been very successful in the Jeff Brom offense over there. I think that would have bought us back a lot of the value we thought we might have been losing out of him. Definitely would have been a lot better than some people saying he was going to go to Florida. That would have made me cry a lot on the inside. But he, but regardless, we don't have to worry about any of that anymore. He's coming back to Western Kentucky, gentlemen. This puts him back in a in a pretty much a top half of the first round CFF pick for me next year. I think it'll be him, Drake May, Caleb Williams. Those are your three top quarterbacks, and all of them will be off the board by the time the first five six picks go through. That's why I think it's probably the biggest impact transfer of the season of the offseason so far, considering that he, it, which is weird because he never actually went anywhere. So, J Mill, we'll start with you, man. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I, th- I think what happened is um, because yeah, I didn't realize this until I started uh, looking at the situation on closer. So, I think he realized and remembered his entire O line might be coming back next year and that no, he can't do anything but, but improve uh, on a really, really good season. Um, you know, it's amazing, you know, when I look, like I think, you know, three guys out of his own line were freshmen or sophomores. He might have had one junior in the bunch, but uh, he had a really, really young O-line, which explains a lot of the trouble they had in the beginning of the season when everybody wondered, like, oh, is it going to be the same WKU offense? Is he going to be able to even get 70% of what Zappy did in terms of production? Um, but as as they got to the middle of the season and into the season, I mean, he proved his value you know, was where, where people thought it should be. You know, if you remember, we didn't know who was going to be the starter, uh, you know, if it was going to be him or uh, Dodgy, however you say, you know, the other guy. Uh, Daggy. Daggy. Um, you know, he, he won that battle. And uh, again, I, I think he woke up and realized, you know, I can't do anything but get better in the mm-hmm. situation I'm in. He's, he's got his number one receiver coming back, as far as I know. I believe Corley's coming back. Yep. Uh, Matheson's coming back. So he's got weapons around him. He's going to have better protection. And, you know, I think he, you're only going to see, you know, bigger improvement this year. Uh, and, and he may end up being, you know, QB1, you know, off the boards in terms of the fantasy production he might have. Yeah, because I'm looking back on this past year because I was curious. I'm like, because, like, Zappy, the year that he was number one, he he hardly ever left the top 12. And... Reed's kind of similar here. He hardly ever left the top 24. It looks like one, two, three, four weeks out of the season, he was QB 24 or worse. And that, but that, that, that's an incredible, that's incredible consistency right there for a top quarterback. That's why I think he'll be somebody that will be off the board very early on. He averaged in uh, four point passing touchdown leagues, 29.58 fantasy points per game. And that's not, that's not including his week zero performance. Right. Yeah. Uh, Willie 83 percent completions too. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Willie B, you got thoughts on this real quick? No, it, 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 we're going to talk about this as we go further. But I mean, these guys need to understand: uh, Are you? What kind of situation are you going to put yourself in if you leave? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where is he going to go that he's going to pass for four thousand yards? You know, thirty plus touchdowns. Yep. Right. You know, and trying to learn a new system. You know, now he doesn't have to do that. So, I mean, unless someone was telling him that he's going to be a, you know, you come here, you're going to be a bona fide first round, you know, pick in the NFL draft. Well, I mean, you know, you still have to have something to back that up. But, you know, these guys have to, you know, realize the grass isn't always greener. And so, like I say, we'll 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 touch on that as we go further. But that that's where these guys need to start thinking about their futures. 
Yeah, absolutely. Lastly, it's important that right now is his coaching situation is stable too. You know, it's a team that's keeping their entire staff, you know, and and from an offensive perspective. Well, that that was the rumor that was starting to be put around there when he first entered the portal was that a lot of people started saying that it sounded like Tyson Helton was somebody that uh, schools started to look at as a potential head coaching candidate. And so... That's where right. I think a lot of people, especially when they saw guys like Joshua Simons are enter the portal, they're like, okay, there's about to be a big shakeup at Western Kentucky. Right. Good right. news is the meltdown of Western Kentucky has been canceled and it looks like everybody's coming back. Moving on to our next option here. Uh, Western Kentucky avoided the meltdown, but unfortunately Kent State did not when Sean Lewis went over to Colorado. And so now we have to figure out where some of these Kent State players are going. And well, we found out where their quarterback is going. Colin Schley quarterback at Kent State, is heading over to the UCLA Bruins to replace longtime starter Dorian Thompson-Robinson, or will he? That is the interesting part here, is this is obviously a big jump from Kent State to UCLA. You're going from probably the worst G5 uh, conference in terms of just overall quality. Now, they're great when they play each other, but in terms of how they perform outside the MAC. Not typically as good, although I do believe Schley is a very talented product here. The other part of this is, and we'll get to him a little bit later, there is another big-time quarterback that is heavily expected to possibly go over to UCLA. And that's not even talking about the talent they already have on the roster there. Ethan Garbers uh, got plenty of time behind Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's got a dual threat of his own. And then you also have Justin Martin, the talented freshman there. He's somebody that can make a play for this job. Not necessarily a done deal that Colin Schley gets the UCLA job, but I think we all agree if he does, with the way they've used Dorian Thompson-Robinson the past couple of years, that could be an insane, insane CFF QB option here. Willie B., we'll start with you, man. No, I agree. It, the, the competition, obviously, is there. Um, you know, J-Mail and I, you know, kind of touched on this a little bit, too. Um, it's going to be about the supporting cast for me. You know, what, what is he going to have left? What else is going to come in? Uh, I think everybody was a little bit higher on Bobo as we, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't think he ever reached his full potentials, but I, I think they, they're definitely going to need someone else to come in for him to reach that full potential. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And I, I have like, we, we, we know that they are, in the market for a running back. I'll go ahead and talk about it here because I don't think we talk about it anywhere else. Uh, Carson Steele visited right. this past weekend to UCLA. So clearly Charbonnet's out the window. They're going to see if they can bring somebody else in there. I have to imagine they're looking at wide receiver help because they, I think they brought in a major wide receiver uh, the last two years out of the portal. I think Jake Bobo might be out of eligibility now as well. So I agree with you, Willie B. They're going to have to get him some help if he's going to get to his ceiling. Jay Mill, your thoughts? Yeah, it's the it's the supporting cast for me also, uh, along with the fact that um, like like many folks, I, I wasn't as high on Schley this year. I, I wasn't dismissing him and writing him off, but you know, I, I really didn't start feeling you know too good about him in, until you know preseason when I was hearing a lot of guys like yourself, you know, talk about him more, and, and you know, I started buying the hype a little bit. But you know, I think overall this year disappointed. Uh, at Mac level competition. Um, now, you know, you could argue his supporting cast at Kent State might have not been that good either, but neither was your competition. And so, you know, he, he didn't have the, the best season. He averaged 19 points. 
um, in the Mac, which really we lacked Maction this year. That that's a big asterisk, by the way. We didn't get the Maction we're used to. Um, but it, but more than that, I think it comes down to the, the receivers. I I, I'm, I can't even tell anymore. But I think Bobo and Cashmere might have one year left. But I don't know if either really have any years left. Um, and then that leaves them with Cam Brown right now, who you know, wasn't good enough to become wide receiver one or two or both mm-hmm. Bobo or Kashmir. Um, so until they get a top-notch wide receiver, you know, to join him uh, and it's clear he's going to win the job, then, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not putting a lot of stock into Colin Schley at this moment. Now, obviously these, these are fluid situations and, you know, if we see he has a great spring, um, you know, we'll certainly all let you know, you know, that you should get on the Schley bandwagon, but you know, I think we have plenty of time to evaluate and see see how the competition is going to shape up. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the, the, technically, this this season that we're in right now isn't technically over. These staffs are bringing guys <laughs> in; they have no clue how things yeah. are going to shake out, and so we shouldn't be making that much speculation going forward too much. But again, I think we can all agree the potential here is phenomenal for UCLA and for Schley. Next sure. quarterback here. We have Mr. Grayson McCall, who, if I can pull up his stats real quick. Well, he got injured, so he probably didn't finish very high. But even still, uh, definitely a strong CFF quarterback for us the last two years. Jamie Chadwell, his head coach, moves on over to Liberty. And even though Mr. Grayson McCall likes to talk about how he pisses Teal, I think that was the last straw for him. He'll need to – he's going to move on. And quite frankly, if he wants to get to the NFL, which I do believe he does, there's a lot of stigma around that Jamie Chadwell offense and the fact that it is very gimmicky. gimmicky. A lot of people don't think he'll translate well. So he's probably looking for an opportunity to go to a more pro-style offense or at least a less gimmicky offense and kind of prove himself. So a lot of people talk about him going over to Liberty following his coach. If that is true about him wanting to prove himself in a different system, probably not going to happen. He was scheduled for Auburn, but that visit has been canceled as of recently, and I've been trying to pull up the recent article on him, and I can't seem to find it off uh, off of here in terms of potential landing spots for him. But I'll go ahead and toss it over to Jay Mill. What do you think about Grayson McCall? You got any spots for him to land at that you might think yeah, would be interesting? Well, I'll ask a question first, make sure, you know, what I think is a good fit is a good fit. Is Hartman still around at Wake Forest or is he gone? Uh, he's gone. Okay. Then, then, you know, you talk about gimmicky offenses. Let's, let's get him right from one to another, and, you know, go visit Wake Forest. I mean, there you go. to me, I feel like he's got the skill set that he, he should be capable of moving up to, you know, the, the uh, power five level, uh, I think that's what he needs to do to, to prove his NFL value and his NFL worth. Um, I don't think those coaches should shy away from him. And, and I really think honestly, Wake Forest would be an absolute perfect fit. Uh, and, and he'd be able to thrive, you know, in that type of a setting. I like that. I like the call quite a bit. Uh, will it be, you got anything on him? I'm, I'm more excited about where he might end up than I am with Schley. Um, I, I, I just think he has a, a little bit more better potential to double down on those stats if he puts himself in the right situation. And but like I say, if, you know, it, everything is speculation when we, you know, come up come up with some of this stuff. But you like say when Jamos talks about his skill set and and his potential, whether it be Liberty or Wake Forest, I, I'm more excited about where he lands than I am with Lee. Yeah, again, I think. 
again, he's proven in the right system the last couple of years that he is a CFF quarterback. Again, didn't finish as well this year, but again, a lot of that had to do with him getting hurt. But right, I'm, right. I'm, it was points per game. He was still 27. I know you used total points. Yeah, I used total points. Per game, he was still 27. You know, not bad. Not bad. Not bad whatsoever. I'll take 27 <laughs> points any given week. So yeah, I mean, he had two. He had 200 more yards uh, and two less games than Schley. Not you know, just just you know he also off didn't, the top there. I mean, he also didn't have to play Oklahoma, Washington, and Georgia. No. <laughs> yeah, that was a <laughs> that's, a, that's a big that's a, that's the thing with Colin Schley you got to be careful about. It. It's like Kent State likes to absolutely murder their players in the out of conference schedule. Exactly. So that's and he got hurt. He got banged up the rest of the season. Definitely couldn't get to his potential. Anyway, can I can I ask you a question, Jared? Go ahead. Is if if Nick's leaves is Oregon too big of a platform or setting for him? No, I think Oregon's absolutely in the hunt for a yeah. quarterback in the transfer portal, and I think McCall currently is one of the better options. I yeah. I think Oregon's a sneaky play for DJ Uyangalele, especially mm-hmm. if he doesn't like the fact that Colin Schley's already taken that spot at UCLA as the, the transfer they're bringing in. I could see right. Oregon going after him, but Grayson McCall, not a bad option either. If, if teams like Auburn and um, if teams like Auburn are going after McCall, no reason why he can't go over to Oregon if they think he's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. And a, a last last question I have about that when we're talking about DJ, and I think I put this uh, in one of the uh, one of our conversations somewhere, Jerry. Um, now with DJ, now do you think that this is going to be a combo situation where he lands? Is it a package deal? With his or, with his younger brother, that's yes. part of the reason why I think Oregon's a sneaky play because out of the three options for his younger brother, UCLA, Oregon, or Ohio State, which one of those is in need of a quarterback? Oregon, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Ohio State has their six line of succession. It's going to be Kyle McCord. I highly doubt they go after DJ Uyangalele, and I doubt that Caleb Williams is giving up his job to DJ. And I doubt right, right. Malachi Nelson coming in behind him would be super appreciative of having DJU come in. So I think if, if that is the case, and we are thinking that way, Oregon, again, makes the most sense there. All righty. Let's look at some of these honorable mentions at quarterback. I'm going to run through these real quick. Monmouth quarterback Tony Musket. A lot of people were very interested to see where he might land, making that jump up from FCS. He lands at Virginia, so he's over there with Tony Elliott, the guy that killed DJU, the guy that killed Brennan Armstrong. (laughs) So guess what, guys? He's probably going to kill Tony Musket as well, and I would probably stay away from that one. Kyron Drones, the quarterback, backup quarterback from Baylor, dual threat guy going over to Virginia Tech. I stepped on the toes of a lot of Virginia Tech fans last week when I said that this isn't going to solve their problems in their offense and that... Grant McCall or Grant McCall, uh, Grant Wells is actually a d- decently talented quarterback, and if they couldn't, if that offensive staff couldn't get much out of him, I highly doubt they can get it out of Kyron Jones as well. Even if he can run a little bit better, so I'm not super excited about it. But I know some people who think that there's a lot of potential there with his dual threat ability. Nick Evers, the four-star freshman quarterback at Oklahoma this year, he went ahead and get out, got out of there if he couldn't get snaps ahead of Bevel. When he was playing for Oklahoma, there was no way he was going to ever see the field there. But he goes over to Wisconsin. I'm curious to see if Luke Fickle truly thinks he has found his quarterback for his system over there in Wisconsin. It'd be interesting to see if they bring in a separate option as well. Or if they really... Well, actually, no, Graham Mertz is in the portal. So, yeah, they got to start from scratch. And then last I think but- that's 
that should be an exciting offense. Uh, you, know, with, you know, uh, you know, fickle, you know, I, I think is, you know, a top five coach, uh, even at Cincinnati. So, you know, I, I think Wisconsin's got the right guy and, and they've, oh, they've now great. potential right quarterback. So I think that's going to be an exciting one to keep an eye on. Oh, it was an incredible hire from just a just from a college football perspective. Like I didn't yeah. know Luke, I didn't know Fickle was on the market, and then all of a yeah. sudden Wisconsin gets him out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that was a fantastic job. And last but not least, Lane Hatcher going to his fourth school of his career, and possibly starting again because I do think they are looking for po- a possible starter here. He goes from Texas State over to Ball State. He'll have some weapons to work with there. We'll get to the main one here in just a little bit, but. Uh, Jay Mill, you talked about Nick Evers there. Will be Willie B, you got any thoughts on the, on these guys real quick that you're just dying to talk about? That I'm dying to talk about? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after those first three, I mean, the honorable mention, I mean, we're talking probably two, three tiers down. Oh, yeah. You know, front, front, I mean, yeah, Evers, I mean, I, I don't want, I don't want to trash the, the, OU, the OU kid bevel, but I mean, I, I said this on a different podcast earlier in the season. I, from what I saw, he shouldn't be. He should not be playing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I hope he takes. Hopes he takes. Uh, you know, some strides this off season. Uh, I, I'm not sure. How, you know what's going on behind the scenes that he felt that he needed to go to Wisconsin. I, I just think that you know the Oklahoma is a better situation for him. But you know we'll see. But you know as far as the other two, uh, Musket, that's that's a huge jump. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're then you're you know you're like say you're at UVA now. I'd have to see it, you know, for a few weeks before I could recommend to to anybody. So that, yeah, that's he, all I have for those guys. Yeah, he got out of Oklahoma because, or Evers got out out of Oklahoma because, like I said earlier, he couldn't get ahead of Bevel, and Bevel just wasn't performing well. And then they also have the five star Jackson uh, Arnold coming in behind him there. And from that, everything, that, it sounds that, like. That to me, what was that? That's that to me is the reason why I, I don't. You can't convince me that he is is not better than Bevel from what we saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they had their tight end playing better than Bevel. True. So I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I I would have to see some something in their film or or whatever he's doing behind the scenes that you 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 just can't convince me he's not better than Bevel. No, I agree. <laughs> The one thing you didn't know, Jared, is you've got more Oklahoma guys that'll be there co-hosting with you today. We both grew up in Oklahoma. Tracy's uh, Willie, <laughs> still in Oklahoma. So. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll move on to the running backs here. First one, we'll start with Marquez Cooper, a top. Oh, good lord! I don't know why I didn't write these things down. Marquez Cooper <laughs> was the running back twenty-one in CFF. This past year, obviously a huge, huge benefit to that Kent State offense. A lot of us were freaking out the moment he entered the portal. Again, it's understandable. His head coach moves on. His system's gone. We'll see what Kent State looks like this next coming years. But Marquez Cooper, he understands CFF. He knows that going to somewhere that is not the MAC will heavily impact how much production he can get. So why not go to Ball State, who just lost Carson Steele, and who's willing to hand it off to a running back almost 300 times on the season, and say, hey, I just did it over there at Kent State. Let me do it again over here for you guys, because that's clearly what y'all want to do. Marquez Cooper, I think, understands this game very, very well, and I think he basically salvaged his value completely here as a CFF option for next year. 
I believe I am on, let's see, Willie B, you go first on this one. I guess what I want to know from Cooper and what I want to see this year, can you really catch? Because if he can catch, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. But I just need to see more production in, in the passing game out of him. Uh, otherwise, I mean, th this is a great, this is a great transition for him, you know, especially if he didn't have a place to go to Colorado, let, let's, let's, let's work on your work on those hands. And what did you say? He's uh top, he's right outside the top 20. Uh, yeah. He's RB 21 this past year. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, we're definitely talking top 15 for sure. Mm -hmm. Just have you have to do more than than eight receptions. Yeah, and and Ball State is not is a program that's not afraid to throw to their running backs. Again, we saw Carson Steele get I think got thirty plus catches this past year, which was not anything I don't think anybody really saw coming. So, mm -hmm. right. Jamil, your thoughts? Yeah, it's like, I loved when you sent out that tweet uh, as soon as this happened. You know, I like that. Yeah, you know, I like when we think that uh, players are worried at all about what we think uh, of their. Of course they do. Decisions. Of course they do. Uh, but but the fact that you associated it with Marquez Cooper understands CFF that that was that was an incredible tweet, and and I hope it's true. But uh, yeah, he's he's the perfect you know replacement for a bell cow. You're replacing one bell cow with another bell cow. If you can't get a system quarterback, go get you a bell cow running back. And this, this guy is going to probably be, like we said, a top 10, definitely a top 15 running back when it comes to uh, guys that you should be looking for next year. Um, he's another guy uh, who's going to have an entire O-line returning. You know, I went uh, you know a little deeper than I normally do preparing for this and looked at some O-line uh, situations. And I didn't see one that, that looks like he's leaving. And we know that they can produce for a running back, if nothing else. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Carson still proved that. He probably is a little more athletic than, than Carson still. Uh, you know, from what I watched, and I did see quite a bit, you know, Carson still liked to lower his head and, you know, run guys over. He could make some moves, but, you know, I think Cooper is a little shiftier. Um, you know, so he might even be able to get through some holes that did Carson still didn't. So, so really, you know, it's a very exciting situation. If you can't state, we don't. Have they named a coach yet? Uh, uh, Ken, well, Kent State uh, Nate just got the I'm Minnesota the running backs I'm coach. I'm sorry, it's the other way. Yeah, so Ball State, Ball State. You know, we 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 don't expect their philosophy to change. Nope. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that's what he wanted. He wanted to go someplace uh, where there's zero competition for the job. I didn't see any uh, in the returning O line. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great situation if you can get your hands on him next year. Absolutely. From one running back who understands CFF to a Mac running back that clearly does not, we have Sean Tyler, running back out of Western Michigan, transfer, transferring out. And where does he land? He goes to Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma right. State has produced some really good CFF running backs in the past couple of years. Again, think back to guys like Chupa Hubbard. Think back to, um, why am I blanking on his name? Came the year after Chuba. Uh, he was like a uh, super senior. Uh, yeah, I can't it was last year. Um, anyway, um, but regardless, yeah. but regardless, Dominic Richardson this past year, not a very good running back. He was a plotter. He got like a yard and a half per carry. Sean Tyler <laughs> on the smaller side of running backs coming out of the MAC. I just don't see the path to him being the guy for Oklahoma State. He definitely feels like more of a piece 
for them. I kind of wish he had stayed in the MAC. Ollie Gordon is who I'm currently projecting to be the number one running back for Oklahoma State next year. A much more talented back than Sean Tyler. All respect to Mr. Tyler. So I am, this definitely takes a hit on his value here. Jay Mill, your thoughts on this? Well, we'll start with the positive. Um, You know, he's got a great track record of not being afraid of competition. You know, he competed with Jefferson uh, while he was at Western Michigan. Um, And he seems to have won that battle, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, So, you know, it looks like a kid who's not afraid to fight. But I completely agree, you know, with your assessment that, you know, he's going to have a big fight on his hands. You've got Ollie Gordon, who was a true freshman this year. Uh, was the, the number 19 running back, you know, according to 24-7's composite, uh, you know, coming out of a senior year of high school. And on top of that, you've got a redshirt freshman, who a, guy, a kid who was a redshirt freshman this year with Jaden Nixon, who was the guy that catches the passes for Oklahoma State. He had 20 catches. So, you know, they seem to, to have different backs for different needs at Oklahoma yep. State. Uh, they, they traditionally have looked for one guy that can do it all but I'm not sure he's the guy that can, can do it all and, and, and become, you know, a workhorse, uh, you know, like a lot of the guys in Oklahoma State's past have. Um, but again, let, you know, if we want to stay optimistic, he's a fighter. He's not afraid of competition, uh, but he is stepping up. So this is, this is going to be a fun spring battle to watch, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but for right now, I think he's, he's, he could end up being kind of a, a mid-level you know, fantasy back at best, you know, for next year, if we had to give an early projection. Yeah. It feels like it's gonna be very difficult for him to reach a thousand yards. Like he did this past year. Will it be your thoughts real quick? Um, I, I think you, are you, are you talking about Jalen Warren? Yes. Jalen Warren. That's who I was okay. talking about earlier. So, yeah. So, so when we talk about that, I, he's, he's smaller than Jalen Warren. Mm-hmm. So, so when you talk about, you know, not understanding, you know, why you make this move, well, you make that move because you, you know, you go to a power five and that, 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 that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, Gordon, I have stock, I have stock in both of these guys, honestly, but I, I'd like, uh, Ollie, uh, Gordon better than, than Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, Gordon is what, six, six, one, six, two, I think, uh, two, two that, that's, that's the type of running back that you need, especially, you know, in taking that step up in competition. Now, uh, you know, maybe he can bring, you know, something, another element in the passing game. Maybe, maybe that's what he's thinking of, but I, you know, I, most guys will want to go to that power five. And I think that's the reason for the jump. Mm-hmm. All righty. Moving on to our next running back here. This is the only one we're talking about here today that hasn't already found his location. We have Marshawn Lloyd, the running back out of South Carolina, we have waited for several years for Marshawn Lloyd to finally really get his chance to South Carolina. Injuries have hindered him. Other backs kind of stepping up ahead of him when he was in his younger years uh, definitely kind of kept him from getting there. Finally got to see a glimpse of it for about four weeks uh, where he finished as the RB4, RB21, RB31, and RB17 during a four-week or a five-week stretch. The only week during that period that he didn't do that was during the bye week. So, very good stretch from him in the middle of the season. Gets banged up near the end of the season and unfortunately just starts losing out on carries to some healthier backs again out South Carolina. But we got that glimpse that when he is that dude, he can have very, very productive games even in an SEC schedule. I'm very interested to see where Marshawn Lloyd lands because if he lands somewhere where there's a very clear path to being the number one guy, 
I would be heavily, heavily interested in him as a kind of under-the-radar sleeper pick. Willie B, you are up first. What are your thoughts, sir? I mean, is it South Carolina? Is that the problem? Um, he, he, he had nine touchdowns. I get that. But as far as a yardage standpoint, it just wasn't there enough for everybody to rely on him. Um, they have a new OC. I mean, he's a, he's a tight end. He's an ex-tight ends coach. So, but what does that say for, we will talk about Bell later, but what does that say? What, mm-hmm. what are we going to get? Is, is it going to be uh, more run oriented? Um, uh, with Rattler is, is gone, who's the next man up there? Uh, what, is, what is the offense going to look like? Is, is he going to uh, be able to get those yards or is it just going to wait until we wait until we're inside the 10 and then put him in? Well, clearly he didn't like what he saw because he's out of there. No, so right. that's what I mean. So, yeah. so, but what I'm saying is where, where he ends up, is he still going to be just that goal line guy? Mm-hmm. Or, or are we going to be able to see, you know, his full playbook? I, 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 based on what we've seen, he's going to be that goal line guy. J-Mill, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the potential's there, like you said, Jared. Um I just have no clue where he's going to end up, <laughs> you know, so it's hard to speak on him. You know, we, we know he's got the talent. We know something was holding him back at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I might tend to, to lean towards Willie B's thought that, you know, it's the staff and not knowing how to use him. You know, what's shocking is even though he did miss a few games, like he still led the team with 111 carries, but why was it even only, you know, about 11 carries a game or, yep. you know, 12 carries a game, um, you know, he had 64 carries, you know, as, as a redshirt freshman the year before. Uh, so one thing we'll never understand and having three kids that all played, you know, I, I got a little bit of insight that you just never know the politics inside of a, of course. a, a room or a meeting room either. So it, it just kind of makes you wonder, did the coaches not have it together? Did he not click with the coaches? Uh, you know, their personality issues do, you know, become part of the problem. And I'm not trying to say, you know, this was the case, but it, it seems like a situation where, you know, there's there's some politics going on and or, or coaches just don't have it together in South Carolina. I wish I had more to say on where he might end up or could be a good fit. But, um, you know, I think it's very intriguing to see where he lands and we'll have a lot more to say about Marshawn, you know, once we find yeah. out about that. And going going back to that, I I'm, I really wanted to say that. Okay, some of these kids, yes, you're in the portal. Some of these kids are going to be going back to their old homes. Sure enough, that 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 that's what I mean by that. Yeah, so, I'm glad you mentioned. Like maybe basically. he just needed to be more patient, and, and and this should could be the best place for him. It doesn't seem like a bad fit to me, except that you know he didn't get as many carries as you as you would expect. But it seems like things were kind of on track to get better. But we'll, we'll see. Based mm-hmm. on the buzz I have heard. Lloyd should not have any problem finding himself a new home. It's not, it is definitely not one of the situations where a player hops into the portal, finds out they're not as valued as they thought they were. The buzz is very strong on Marshawn Lloyd. He's got a lot of different suitors. All right. Two quick honorable mentions here for running backs. Uh, almost didn't have any, but two, two more kind of dropped on us today. And I was just like, you know what? I'll throw them in here. Uh, Cameron Scatabo. The running back out of Sacramento State had an incredible season over there in the FCS. He entered the transfer portal, and he is moving up to the Power 5. He's going to Arizona State. 
I am not saying by any means that I'm guaranteeing he will get the starting job at Arizona State, but any any Arizona State running back is going to interest me. We've get we have gotten two top six running backs out of them the past couple of years. Yes, you have Kenny Dillingham, excuse me, over there, and they got an offensive staff change, but it's definitely somebody I'm keeping an eye on over there for them. And then you also have Nathan Carter, the flash in the pan running back for UConn early on in the season before he got hurt. He went into the portal and he has ended up at Michigan State. Neither one of the Michigan State running backs really worked out this past year between Broussard and between Berger. Neither one of them was Kenneth Walker. I'm not saying Nathan Carter is Kenneth Walker either, but I figured I'd throw it out there and have you have it just on your guys' minds. Uh, Willie B and Jane Bill for t- uh Time's sake and everything, we're just going to go ahead and move on here and get to the wide receivers okay. here. First one up, we got Allie Jennings, the wide receiver out of Old Dominion, has found his landing spot. And credit to Chris K on throwing this name out there, but he has landed at Virginia Tech. I mentioned already, I think I don't really like the offensive system over at Virginia Tech right now. A lot of people think that they just need the they just need the pieces. They didn't have any talent. I liked Caleb Smith over there this year, and they just couldn't really do much with him over there. But credit to Allie Jennings, the offensive system at Old Dominion, not really great either, especially since they lost their offensive coordinator right before the season. He made do with a great or a terrible situation, was as high as the wide receiver six at one point this year. Obviously, injuries and everything kind of hindered him down the line to where he couldn't finish quite that high. But what do you guys think? Um, I believe we're on Willie B. It is your turn here. Your thoughts on this situation, sir? I I, I think he's talented. Um, I, I I hope I hope I mean I, I hope he's getting some promises. Um, but about the, the kid, the kid has talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I think he could probably step in and definitely you know have a starting role. So maybe maybe that's that's where we are. Uh, but, but I don't think he can be any worse than it was last year at Old Dominion for him. So, um, you know, good for him, you know, for, you know, for right now. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's another guy that, that um, you know, had, had a solid season, but got hurt towards the end of the season. So he didn't quite crack the thousand yard mark. Didn't, mm-hmm. He had nine TDs. You know, he was on his way to more of a twelve hundred yard, 12 TD type season. Um, but, you know, on a points per game level he still was six you know he's wide receiver six with, with 22.7 um initially i thought this was maybe good for v tech not so good for ollie jennings but you know then i reminded myself it is an opportunity for him to move up from the group of five to the power five to prove sure. himself on a higher level uh even if he's not going to uh a really high powered passing offense they did finish 102nd jared so i, I completely agree with you yep. that uh, they're lacking in excitement in terms of, you know, offense and, and, you know, what they can do at Virginia Tech. And I don't know if that's going to change, but he still allows himself to produce some some better tape against better competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think in the end, it is a good move for Jennings. All of that said, I think the losers here are this, the college fantasy football owners, because uh, I think his his um, status drops you know, for next year in terms of what we should expect uh, from a statistical standpoint. I, I think he might be able to prove his route running ability uh, and some other things at a higher level, you know, for his NFL purposes. Um, 
but I just don't know if he's going to have the quarterback to get him the ball on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, their leading receiver had 37 catches this year. So what are we, what are we going to, what's going to happen next year? Exactly. He has to be, he has to be better than that. I mean, oh, he has to be. And I think he will be, but I just, I don't know if we're going to get 1200 yard Ollie Jennings at Virginia tech, you know, no. might oh, no, no. games and get us another 900 yard season there. And, but, but, you know, it's a good move for him personally. He's got to prove himself to make it to the next level. So good for him. Yeah. Especially since the last time he was at the power five level, he was at West, West Virginia, his final season there, seven catches, 48 yards and a touchdown. Right. So he, right. he, he'll want to like kind of earn that trust back for the NFL. Definitely right. there. Right. Moving on here to our next wide receiver here, Ryan O'Keefe, the wide receiver gadgety player out of UCF goes to Boston college. Um, oh my God. Zay flowers. Uh, Zay right. flowers. Right. Gets, Zay flowers moving on over there. They need a replacement. They, uh, have looked like they started to get their feet uh, there with their backup quarterback. They're moving forward with that. And you know what? I mentioned last week I wanted Ryan O'Keefe to go to a place kind of like TCU where they're not afraid to get ball, get the ball to their talented players in creative ways. And I don't know how I didn't think of Boston College, but here we are. They are a team that was absolutely willing to get the ball to Zay Flowers in very creative ways last year. He should, I think, be a plug-and-play replacement for them over there at Boston College. Now, I think that Zay Flowers overall is probably a little bit more talented than Ryan O'Keefe, so I'm not quite expecting him to finish as high as Zay Flowers did this year. But I still think we are definitely looking at a very, very good replacement here. Again, Zay Flowers finishes wide receiver six. Not expecting that high, but this is definitely a guy that I'm probably going to be targeting as pro- as my like wide receiver three on yep. my CFF teams this year. J-Mill, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, it, um, initially I, I thought it was a strange move because you, you would think that, you know, a receiver in a fairly high-powered offense at UCF would want to stay, you know, at a place like that. They're moving to the Big 12, so there's not the argument about, you know, moving up to play against a higher level of competition. Uh, but when you start breaking down their stats, I mean, he was one of a committee of receivers. You know, yep. they did spread all around, which, again, that's good for real-life football. But I've always had an issue in fantasy with players that, are on a Gus Malzahn team because he does tend to spread the ball around too much for our own good. You, you mm-hmm. can never pinpoint who the guy you should have on a Gus Malzahn team is. Um, so for us fantasy players, uh, I think this is one where we are winning. He's going to go to BC where he will be the best target. Um, you know, likely wide receiver one, as soon as he you know, steps into you know, practice in the spring or in the off season, uh, they were 52nd in passing last year. So, you know, although, you know, we don't think of Boston College as a great team this year, uh, you know, they did know how to move the ball around in the air. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a good fit all around for all, all three players, the team, the player and the fantasy players. Willie B, your thoughts, sir? I agree for us. I mean, for, for us, I mean, it's, it's a good move. Um, you know, as much as we don't think that the Big 12 defenses are all that great, uh, as as it stands as a whole, I, I I like their defenses more than I do, um, you know, with the with the with uh, the ACC. So, uh, you know, out, outside of a couple teams, but uh, I think he'll. This is definitely a, a better situation for him, especially with uh, UCF making that move. Yeah, 
All right, moving on to our next wide receiver. Don't mean to cut the conversation short, but we got to keep things moving over here. We'll go to our first Alabama wide receiver that we'll kind of discuss for the day. Uh, the rest of them will be, will be in the honorable mention section. But JoJo Earl, wide receiver out of Alabama, he is heading over to TCU. JoJo was one of my favorite Alabama wide receivers going into last year. I thought he was one of the guys that had locked up his starting position. But then life sucks, and he gets hurt right before the season. He is out for the good first half of the season. Guys like Kobe Prentice, they do well. They step up. They take over that slot role for him. He can never really quite get back to where he was, uh, at least getting in terms of getting fully healthy throughout the rest of the season. Loses out his starting job. Has to move on in order to be able to keep the possibility of him getting onto the field. And TCU... With Sonny Dykes and that system, a very, very enticing thought over there. Problem is, as we kind of mentioned with like Guess Mazan, Sonny Dykes, while a very efficient passing offense over there, they tend to kind of spread it. They tend to spread it around a little bit, at least on a week by week basis. On or in terms of the whole season, on a week by week basis, you'll have guys that just explode for a crazy amount of CFF points. Great for best ball. But in terms of trying to pick which guy goes off every week, definitely very frustrating. And we'll we'll talk about another guy who is also expected to go to TCU. I'm actually a little bit more interested in him because the outside roles at wide receiver tend to do a little bit better in Sonny Dykes' offense. But Willie B, your thoughts on JoJo Earl? What do you think about him going to CFF next year? Um, as much as and Jamil. Seeing notes that that he compiled, and you know, I did stats, but I don't necessarily think it's uh, the comp, uh, running from the competition thing. He'll expound on that a little bit further. But in in the NIL world that we live in, um, you just can't go to Alabama and sit for three years. You mm-hmm. can't go anywhere and sit. You know, we got to go. I mean, you get you got to you got to put put that film out, put that tape out, so that people know who you are. And 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 going to a place like TCU, I, I think it's a better situation. At least he could have a fair shot at you know possibly you know less competition. Mm-hmm. And so so we're back to that word again. But he'll he he should be able to get his chances now. And so and if you can't do it here, you know then that's on him. But yeah. I, I I think this is definitely a better situation based on what happened last year for him. Yeah, he's a local product. He's got plenty of he's got um, plenty of nil deals from what the buzz is right now. So I agree with you one hundred percent on that. J. Mill, your thoughts on him, real quick. Yeah, really quick. Um, you know, again, the, the note I had that Willie was referring to is I had you know, is he running from competition? Because I always stray away from guys that I feel are just kind of jumping, you know, into situations where they think it's easier. Um, you know, that may or may not be the case here, but regardless of why he left i think he's got a better chance to shine here it's kind of the, the same issue though that, that i mentioned at ucf is even if he becomes wide receiver one or two from a fantasy fantasy perspective you know we still have to see if, if you were going to ever be able to figure out who tcu's uh top guys are going to be on a week-to-week basis as you mentioned yep. jared i'll leave it at that all righty We'll go ahead and move on here to our final one. We're going to do a quick uh, deep dive on, and that is wide receiver Caden Prather out of West Virginia, a former four-star product. A lot of people are very high on him going into this year. Graham Harrell offense over there. 
Well, Graham Harrell's moving on. He's now the offensive coordinator over at Purdue. That's something we could have discussed here uh, in terms of a coaching change. That's pretty big news right there. And Caden Prather on his way out as well. My initial thought was, well, he might follow Graham Harrell over to Purdue. That makes a lot of sense. But on three, at least their crystal balls currently disagree with me. Their top three options currently are split between Maryland, Penn State, and Ole Miss. It feels like everybody under the sun is getting a crystal ball to Penn State if you're a wide receiver, which, again, I don't blame them. A lot of a lot of spots open over there for them. But Willie B, actually, no, J-Mo, you, you, uh, Willie B went first last time. J-Mo, yep. uh, yeah, any of I, those exciting you? <laughs> um. You know, again, Ford Wheaton is back at West Virginia, so I, I don't know if it's a situation. No, he, he like declared. Oh, did he declare? Okay, he declared. so yeah, I, I guess you know the rationale would be that uh, his coach is gone. Um, so you know, let me go find a new home uh, because he, he's not sure. Um, you know, out of the three teams, I guess that's the thing maybe to focus on here. Um, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to Ole Miss and play for Lane, Lane Kiffin and, and see what you can do in that offense? Uh, everybody's got a chance to shine there, you know, if, if, if they're capable. Um, you know, Penn State needs you. Maybe he can get more money to go to Penn State. I think in this sure. day and age, like uh, Willie said, you got to look at who's, who's going to open up the, the, the pocketbook. Um, and you haven't heard a lot about Penn State doing that, but uh, I think this would be a, more of an opportunity for Penn State to get a playmaker, uh, and they need one. So, um yeah, I think that would be the best fit for him uh, to shine. Willie B, your thoughts on where he could possibly land? No, I I, I definitely agree with with uh, Jeremy here. Uh, for me, looking at the, in the fantasy perspective, I definitely say I'd like to see him go to Penn State. Um, I I don't want you know sharing uh, week to week and then not knowing what's going to happen in Lane Kiffin's offense. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, to me, it, to me, that's becoming more like a Lincoln Riley. You just never know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I want, I want, I want that bona fide guy that, that plug in week in week out and, and not have to worry about it. And I just think he had the, the better shot of the three options that we're seeing here. I like Penn state I, I, and that that's what I would hope that he does, but you know, hell it may, may very well be Maryland. And then we, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going, uh, why, but, it can't get much worse than, you know, being he's 70th and passing offense where he just left. True. Potentially. Yeah, no. Which was, I, which was surprising. Oh, yeah. Very surprising considering they had an air raid system going on over there. I think we're underselling Maryland a little bit here. Uh, again, we don't know what Talia Talgavailo is going to do there. So that's obviously going to play a huge part in terms of what Maryland does. But at the same time, Maryland has shown in the past, like with Dante Demas, when he was healthy. He was a CFF asset. They were willing to kind of focus in on one guy, even though they had Rakeem Jarrett there. And this past year, it was kind of a big mess because none of them could really separate from one another. Maybe Caden Prather could be that guy. So definitely we could see that at Maryland. Again, I still want to throw out Purdue there. That just makes too much sense for him to follow Graham Harrell over there. They need wide receivers. They They need some young blood over there to get that system up and rolling. So I think that would make a lot of sense for him to go there. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I forgot to add. We got one more wide receiver we'll go in depth on here, and that is Elijah Spencer. This is a a more recent one right before the show. Uh The wide receiver 26, I believe, off the top of my head. Yes, or 29. Wide receiver 29 in CFF this past year. Enters the portal. He is getting spat out at Minnesota. 
Um, this was this one caught me by surprise because I was expecting him to stay on the East Coast. I was oh. expecting him to mm-hmm. probably try to make a step up to a school like maybe UNC, maybe go to South Carolina. Uh, but no, he is he is uh, going to Minnesota and uh, gonna compete with Chris Oppmann Bell and uh, Corey Crooms. Yeah, I don't like this landing spot at all, y'all. Uh, I just don't. It's hard to gauge what that offense is gonna look like next year. We don't even know what Minnesota's quarterback situation is going to look like. Tanner Morgan's out of eligibility. Maybe they go to the portal. Maybe they try to go with AK behind him. But I, yep. it, I overall, this feels gross. Uh, yeah. Well, quick, quickly, I didn't expect this one, but I'm looking like he, he beat out some good guys to you know oh, yeah. be the number one at Charlotte. He beat Victor Tucker and Debose. Um, but you know. That's a pretty big step up, and he's got some pretty big competition that, that he'll be fighting for playing time with. And he is just, as of last year, a sophomore. So I, I guess in the long run, he's still got it probably three years left if we do the COVID math correctly here. Mm-hmm. Um, so may, maybe he's also looking at the fact that, you know, I just want to go to a bigger school. Even if I have to sit and wait a year, you know, I've still got two years left after that. Yeah. Will be any thoughts really quick? No, not 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 our not our pan other than what you guys have said. Um, I mean, you know, he, he's 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 a pretty solid sized kid. Um, I, I I think, I obviously I don't think he's afraid of competition. No. So and, and then that that's what tears me off of a lot of guys. And, and Jeremy said this earlier. I want guys who want to compete. Mm-hmm. So if he's not scared to compete, you know, I'll, I'll I might take a chance on him. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see. All right, going through these honorable mentions at wide receiver real quick. Uh, three of them are Alabama receivers, so I'll just hit on those guys real quick. Treshawn Holden, he is heading over to Oregon. Christian Leary uh, following Javon Baker over from Alabama to UCF. And then Aaron Anderson, the five-star freshman wide receiver leaving Alabama. Hasn't picked the location yet, but there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of smoke that he is going to go to his second choice in LSU from his recruiting time. So I would highly expect that. Other two guys we have here, Theo Weiss, the former five-star wide receiver from a lifetime ago. He is heading out of Oklahoma, and he is heading to Missouri. Missouri just lost Dominic Lovett. They pretty much get his replacement right here, probably going to play to a second-year um Luther Burden over there, I would have to imagine. Otherwise, I don't know how Luther Burden is staying at Missouri. But maybe a little bit of interest there. Go ahead. He's the runner, I think, Willie and I have been referring to. Mm -hmm. He's he's the guy that keeps running from one place to another, leaving leaving the competitive battles, you know, because he doesn't seem to win wherever he goes. So we'll see what happens at Missouri. Maybe that'll be the home for him. We'll see. Uh, and then last one on this page, Dejon Stripling, the wide receiver out of Washington State. Uh, really likes schools with state in their name because he's heading over to Oklahoma State <laughs> to just make it even harder to figure out who's going to be that top outside option for Oklahoma State this next year. Hopefully some of them can stay healthy this year. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you, though, Jerry. Yes. Uh, go, going back, as we talking, since we're on Oklahoma State, uh, I mentioned this to, to Jeremy. Now, are they going to go with the coach's son? Are we, are, or, or is there somebody else big time? There's a uh, lot of smoke that uh, Brennan Armstrong and Oklahoma State have some mutual interest with one another, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I could have discussed earlier. But and, um, 
There, there's a lot of smoke there. I think, I, I think they are looking for a potential quarterback if they find the right guy. Yeah, one, one final note, Jared, about all yep. the Alabama transfers is there's there's a really good follow on Twitter, CFB Numbers. I don't know if you follow them. They put up a lot of great uh, charts. Love them. And they just put one out this week that showed the net loss on offense and defensive players gained versus lost. Uh, and it seems like the Blue Bloods are the ones that have lost the most players through the portal on offense and defense. If you look in their bottom left corner where the Nets – down on defense and down on offense. You've got Alabama, you've got Georgia, you've got Oregon, you've got Nebraska, you know, Notre Dame. Is this year? And, uh, that's from 20 to 2023. 20, okay, gotcha. But to me, what that told me is the Blue Bloods starters become more entrenched and less likely to lose their job. So mm-hmm. you see the big exodus like you do with three Alabama receivers on the honorable mention list here, you know, that we're going through. That just jumped out when you when we saw all of these Alabama logos because they've got one of the biggest net losses on offense and defense through the portal because they don't have to bring guys in. They know who their starters are. They know who their starters are, and they know that they can just go pick out the best one out of the portal if they ever need it. Exactly, right. and, and you're not going to end up beating an Alabama starter even though you think you might when you get there. Exactly. Uh, a couple other honorable mention wide receivers here. Keyshawn Smith, the wide receiver out of Miami. A lot of people are very high on him. He follows Rhett Lashley, his former offensive coordinator at Miami, over to SMU, similar to how Jalen Knighton did. Chase Lane, the up-and-down wide receiver from Texas A&M. He's going over to Georgia Tech. Jeremy Bernard, the talented four-star freshman wide receiver that went over to Michigan State, had a pr- himself a pretty solid freshman year over at Michigan State he went into the portal and he is ending up at Washington definitely something to keep an eye out on with the offensive system they got going on over there with Kalen LeBourne and Michael Penix obviously it'll depend heavily on which wide receivers return for Washington this year we haven't quite gotten an announcement on what Polk uh what Odunze and what uh, Jalen McMillan are doing. So all that's still up in the air, but definitely something to monitor there. The last big Kent State talented uh, offensive player, Deshaun Polk, he is in the portal. No destination yet. Former CFF darling Corey Rucker out of, uh, initially out of Arkansas State, went to South Carolina, got hurt, hardly played during the year, and is back in the portal we will definitely see about that. I think that might be another one of those, as Jay Mill and Willie B have been talking about, one of those guys that just kind of runs from competition when he doesn't got the job. He just goes and picks the next school that can give him one. And then three more here. Keegan Johnson, wide receiver out of Iowa, going to Kansas State. We saw this past year. When some of these wide receivers get out of Iowa, they can do some really, really nice things. And so exactly. go, get, it over to, get him over to Kansas State. They need some weapons. We don't know if Deuce Vaughn will be back or not. Uh, Howard, the quarterback there, is definitely a more efficient passer than some of the other quarterbacks we've gotten out of Kansas State Kansas State recently, so give me a solid option there. So keep an eye on that. Dakari Collins, wide receiver at Clemson, heads from Clemson to NC State, who just picked up Robert Anae as their offensive coordinator. Any system that passes that heavily, you're definitely going to want a piece of it. If he is indeed one of the starters, definitely somebody to keep an eye out on. And then last but not least, Melquan Stovall, Wide receiver out of Colorado State, heading out of there, going over to Arizona State. I would say this is one of those cases where he's running from competition because I believe this is now his fourth school he has been to. 
since he has been in college, but at the same time, he was a starter for Colorado State, so something tells me there's a little bit more going on there. Let's move on to these tight ends, unless either one of you guys had any of those guys you were dying to talk about. No, we'll put them in the wait-and-see category. Wait-and-see category, I agree. One guy that we hope we don't have to wait and see on is Mr. Jaheim Bell, tight end out of South Carolina, heading out of there, misutilized, according to his own mother, and heads over to Florida State and Mike Norvell. This sprung a interesting debate in the CFF Slack for us over at Campus of Canton because Mike Norvell does not have a great history with tight end production in CFF. A lot of the Memphis tight ends that we grew to love, like Sean Dykes and now pre-scoring this year, that comes more out of Silverfield than Mike Norvell. But there is, again, especially for a guy like Jaheim Bell, where the main complaint is misutilization, how do you get him to come to Florida State? Well, you had to have promised him something in terms of how he was going to be used. Maybe it's not in a traditional tight end role, but it seems like in a system that wants to make a jump next year, wants to have some additional weapons on offense, they're going to try to get Shaheen Bell touches next year. So he's definitely somebody I'm interested in. Uh, I've lost track of who starts here. So we're just going to start back over with J-Mill. J-Mill, you start, man. Yeah, you, you touched on kind of the thing that, that stood out to me, which is, uh, you know, you go back and look at Norvell, you know, McDonald, and then prior to that at Memphis, it was Magnifico. <laughs> uh, Magnifico. Yeah, they've all had like 20 to 25 catches every year, which is what uh, Bell had this year at South Carolina. So I, I'm just going to, you know, again, in, for the sake of time, Jared, you, you kind of summed it up. He had to have something promised that was bigger, you would think, uh, unless maybe we want to start our own conspiracy theory and, and to say there's some crazy politics going on because uh, Marshawn Lloyd's leaving also. Who, who yep. knows? You know, but 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 I, th- I think it will be better in terms of his production. Uh, I think he'll he'll see some improvement. And you know, I, I totally overlooked the fact that he had seventy six carries this year. I'm not sure how I missed that, uh, but I went back and saw that he did. So, you know, maybe maybe they told him they'll give him the ball a hundred times and he'll become CJ Donaldson. Love it. Will it be any quick thoughts on Jaheim Bell? Yeah, my question is, you know, is is he is he the running back or is he the tight end? Um, I don't think the H back works. Uh, hopefully that's not what was promised because it, you know, he definitely needs to to pick one or the other in my mind. Um, looking looking at other notes, how does he and Murdoch uh, Morlock fit in together? Mor- Morlock is huge. He 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 looks more like Johnny Wilson. Who I mean, I, I mean, have a lot of shares. In. I mean, Bart. I mean, Willie, do you want to just move on to my, the discussion of Kyle Morlock here? We could just we can <laughs> move on. Over. Yeah, I, I I I think so because it, it just fits in. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. What are we promising this kid? If he's not if he's not doing that CJ Donaldson role, he is now a running back. Something is wrong. Because you have Johnny Wilson, who is, is, is basically, I mean, he's a wide receiver, but he's more of a Y. Mm-hmm. And with that, so with that size and speed of additional two Morlock, we we're talking about two six foot seven targets. Where does Bell fit in in that if yeah. he's going to be a tight end? I don't think so. I, I think it, it, he definitely has to be more of the running back and getting in those carries, but we will see. We'll definitely see. And again, transitioning over we'll go ahead and start talking about the other big time tight end that florida state pulled out of the transfer portal here kyle morlock the uh stud out of shorter university big massive six foot seven dude 
well over 250 pounds. He is an absolute monster. Made everybody he played against at Shorter University just look like small children. <laughs> he feels like the guy that's going to take over that Johnny Wilson role. I do believe Johnny Wilson is heading to the NFL draft after this year. They want another huge target for them. And if he can get the Johnny Wilson workload this past year, again, not great per se, but at the same time, like, it's again comparing wide receiver fantasy production versus tight end fantasy production a mediocre tight a mediocre wide receiver production is great for a cff tight end production so if he can get similar production to what johnny wilson did last year i like what we could get out of kyle morlock potentially but will he be um your thoughts on morlock now now is do you think that Morlock is more in the traditional tight end, even though with his size, or is he that Johnny Wilson, who's a freak of nature, by the way? <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I, I think I think he actually he I honestly think he's underutilized for for what he can do. I mean, I, I've 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 had him in in a few leagues, you know, back when he was at Arizona State. So I I I know he's underutilized. I'm just trying to figure out. I don't know much about Morlock, but is he more of a t- true tight end, or is he that hybrid? type guy i think he's potentially that hybrid kind of guy again you're talking about how johnny wilson was like a y receiver that puts him on the inside where you're going to see the tight end it's like again you're going to probably shift the role just a little bit to where he blocks a little bit more often than probably johnny wilson did but at the same time like i think there's definitely a possibility of him uh getting a similar role jay mill your thoughts on mr morlock well i didn't know anything about him until today so uh (laughs) I, I will, you know, just just point out, uh, you know, again, I, in my notes, I had to see above when I, I had the Bell comment about Norvell and his his use of tight ends. Um, I mean, if they put him out in, in in the slot a little more and kind of run him as as a little bit more of a wide receiver uh, versus just being a tight end, great. But um, you know, huge huge step up for the kid. Um, th- this is the kind of transfer up though that I, I'm definitely hesitant about. And as our numbers showed, transfer tight ends in the portal were the least productive portal players in fantasy last year. So just be very, very careful about any tight ends that are transferring. There's a much bigger transitional role, I think, than than some of the other positions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Moving on to the next one here, Seydou Traore, the tight end out of Arkansas State. He was the tight end six. In CFF this past year, a lot of us were really excited about his return, and then he goes into the portal. And as Jamil just mentioned, that opens up a whole can of worms in terms of the variety of where he could end up, in terms right. of how he is utilized. I I think it's hard to imagine him landing at a spot where we can guarantee he'll get the same amount of production as he got last year. Jamil, your thoughts on him real quick. Yeah, really quick. He's uh, he's very slight for a tight end, you know, and and which is passable in the in the Sun Belt. You know, coming in, he was two hundred and ten pounds. If people don't know his background, it's one of the more intriguing stories in college football this year. Uh, in a nutshell, you know, he came over from London. He played you know one year of football here, uh, but was such a good athlete. He was able to get a scholarship at Arkansas State. There's claimed interest from Florida State and Iowa State in his bio. Uh, on on the roster uh, at Arkansas State. We'll find out as the portal process goes through how serious that is now. I think he definitely proved himself uh, to be an athlete. 
that was playing tight end. Now, is, is he going to gain a little bit more weight and become more of that hybrid that Willie B was talking about earlier? Um, and if not, is, is, I haven't necessarily seen him have to show his speed. You know, could he go the other way and just kind of stay at 210, 215 pounds and just become the oversized wide receiver? Uh, you know, that a lot of teams like to utilize down at the goal line also. But I'm very intrigued, even though we downplayed the role that transfer tight ends can have. This, this is going to be an exciting one to watch to see where he lands because, you know, he could, you know, give the right school a boost. Uh, and he's proven to be an athlete that, that can produce, you know, for fantasy. You say that Iowa State was interested in him? I'm, I'm strictly going off his bio on the Arkansas State uh, site. They said he had interest by florida state iowa state and memphis okay well he goes to iowa state i am instantly interested because of what they've done with charlie kohler uh granted they didn't really do much with their tight end this past year but even still uh will it be any quick thoughts on treori if uh priest corn from memphis is is out i Mm. i like that i like that transition i agree um but but i mean he he was like he was a you know the tight end eight yep uh, as as far as treori and Priest scoring was seven. So I mean, if if he if he makes that transition, I like it. I just don't know of many other places that he can go and get the production that he just came from. Yeah, and I, I think we all agree that this is definitely almost like a little mystery box of like, all right, what are yeah, we going to yeah. get mm-hmm. out of this? It's one of the more fun ones to watch. Next up here, this again another one that kind of broke late right before we got onto the show here. But Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end out of FIU, great finish to the season there. He is heading over to Auburn. I don't have a ton of options here in terms of like what I want to talk about. More than anything, again, I mentioned that Hugh Freeze is going to get a lot of weapons out of the portal. He is very involved with a lot of the wide receivers, very involved with a lot of the tight ends. It looks like he is in. Not looks like he did land Fairweather here. I don't know how Hugh Freeze wants to utilize his tight ends, but it does strike me that the first the first guy that he lands out of the portal is a tight end. That tells me that he prioritized him. He made sure that, like, all right, I'm going to make sure I can land you. And maybe he is looking to utilize him, but I think it's definitely a wait-and-see kind of deal. Will it be your thoughts, man? No, I, I agree. Um, I, I would say that he, he'd probably be what he was this year. I mean, he had 28 receptions, you know, three touchdowns. Um, based on whatever competition is still there, uh, I'd, I'd say that we're probably going to look at about the same. Um, now, whether or not he – like I say, we're, we're moving up in competition. You know, that's going to factor in. I, I wouldn't expect much more. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be a top 40. Yeah, probably. Um, last, oh wait, Jamo, I forgot your no, thoughts. He is. Uh, I can't remember, recall if he's a big tight end or not. He is six five, two forty five. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's got SEC size, you know, for tight end. And and, yeah. and you know, I didn't know he was athletic, and he's got quite a few years. He was just a sophomore this year. So, yeah, that 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 could be a good uh, real life football move for for Auburn. Uh, you know, regardless Agreed. of what fantasy side. All right. Hit up two quick honorable mentions at tight end. Eric All, the tight end in Michigan, he's headed over to Iowa. Uh, we'll not talk about what's going on with his family and everything this week. Um, oh, yeah, because, oh, you, oh, Lord, that's a can of worms right there. I'll, I'll Google it. I'll Google it. Um, <laughs> I'll send you a link because all, searching all on Twitter is yeah. 
not going to get you anything. Anyway, um, all, he's all go- I know is he was a huge disappointment, and I, I was really, you know, thinking the way he finished last year, he would be a top 12 tight end this year, but other guys kind of snuck in and stole his, his spotlight. Well, he got injured and everything as well. Like, again, he, he was kind of on and off the injury reserve pretty much the entire year. And, again, he's following Caden McNamara, which apparently he has a great repertoire with Caden McNamara. If Caden McNamara is a starting quarterback over there at Iowa, we've seen how Iowa loves to use their tight ends. I think mm-hmm. Eric All instantly becomes a Tier 2 tight end right here in terms of, like, guys to target. There are not a lot of really safe options at tight end next year. Obviously, you have Brock Bowers, and that's pretty much it. After that, question marks galore. I think Eric All might be closer if he, again, if the buzz is that he is one of the starting tight ends. He's probably one of the safer plays. Uh, other tight end we'll talk about here, Trey Knox, tight end of Arkansas. He is following his old coach over to, well, he is not official, heavily expected for him to follow his old coach over to South Carolina, where his coach has just become the offensive coordinator for the Gamecocks. I'm not super excited about that one per se. Might help that it was his coach that was the offensive coordinator, so maybe there, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push too much on that one. Uh either of you boys have anything to say on Knox or all? Uh no. I mean I agree. All all seem to have the potential and you know, did forget that he missed as many games as he did. For some reason I was thinking he played more than three. Mm-hmm. So uh I'm willing to give him a pass. I just won't be putting him in the top fifteen probably to start next year. Will it be? No, until until I see that, you know, Iowa is, you know, changing their ways, no. And and and, and even if <laughs> just even no. if he has even if he has McNamara, that's his boy. I still need to see, but I didn't see enough from McNamara, you know, to, to entice me to to take that gamble either. So, I mean, Laporta finishes the tight end fifteen or fourteen on no fifteen, fifteen this past year. So, but maybe. with McNamara, with McNamara, with McNamara, I mean, he has Spencer, <laughs> he has Spencer Petrus, so it's like even, even McNamara is a a upgrade over that. Alrighty, boys. We'll have to get through this next part real quick. Otherwise, we'll be here for three hours. Uh, we'll discuss some of these bowl games from this past week. Uh, we're not going to give you like a full breakdown of like what was the score, what was all that. We're just going to dive straight into some of these box scores, some of the things that we watched during the games, and things that we think are pretty applicable to CFF going into next year. We'll start with this Miami of Ohio versus UAB game. UAB wins the game. Jermaine Brown Jr., that is the name I really want to talk about here. Dwayne McBride sits out of this game. Injury, we don't know. Probably going off to the NFL next year. I would be shocked if he returned. Jermaine Brown Jr. is that next guy up. He has been with the program for a very long time. Again, program guy. Knows the system extremely well. I went into this game thinking like, alrighty, are we going to see Jermaine Brown Jr. get the workload of the carries or are we going to see a big split between him and Witherspoon and Gates? Those are kind of the three names that were kind of being thrown around before this game. Lo and behold, Jermaine Brown Jr., 24 carries, 116 yards in this game, and two touchdowns. That is a Dwayne McBride stat line if I have ever seen one. Now, granted, again, it's going up against Miami of Ohio, even though they're one of the better defenses in the MAC. It's still a MAC team. But regardless, that to me is a green light that Jermaine Brown Jr. should be 
not looked at in the same light as Dwayne McBride, but like this is going to be a guy that at least I will be targeting pretty heavily in like those round two to three ranges if that is where he is going to fall in CFF next year because we've seen this system. And yes, they got a new head coach over there, but again, they're clearly trying to run the same system over here. He's willing to take on that workload. It works well for UAB. I like what I, what we can get out of him next year. You guys have any thoughts on Jermaine Brown Jr. and anybody else who stood out to yeah. you in this game? Well, I want to I second to Jermaine Brown Jr. I, I had him in a couple of Conference USA only leagues the last couple of years. He's very versatile. You know, he was actually listed on fan tracks for a couple of years as RB and wide receiver. So you, you had a lot of flexibility with how you could use him. You know, for him to kind of step in and, and, you know, prove what he can do with 24 carries in this game shows, you know, he should be durable. He doesn't have an injury track record. Managed 600 yards in 21 behind McBride, you know, along with his, you know, near 1,000 yards this season behind McBride. So, you know, if the guy becomes the clear RB1 by himself, I mean, sky's the limit, um, you know, and he can catch the ball, you know, he's, he's had 20 catches, you know, the last two seasons are close to it, you know, both of those, both seasons. Yeah, will he be? I guess uh, the other, only other thing in the, the box score, who's going to take over for Shropshire? Because if they don't have anyone, they're just going to load up that box on him. Shropshire is all they had in the passing game. So if, without him, who's going to take over that void to keep, you know, eight, nine people out of the box? Yep. I agree 100%. That's a great call right there. Uh, not, again, not to stifle cop. Not the stifle conversation, but we'll keep it moving here because, again, we don't want to go too long here. Moving on to the Cure Bowl, UTSA versus Troy. Uh, this was quite the game to watch. I don't think I've ever seen so many turnovers in the red zone uh, for a team like UTSA in this game. Kavorian Barnes is a stud. Straight up. This is going to be a dude that is going to take over CFF this next year. He is breaking away from that backfield extremely, extremely well. Frank Harris had a rough game. He is not going, I, I still expect him to be a top option in CFF this next year. They, he still has his head coach. Uh, they'll still be trying to run the same system over there. He should still be very productive. We kind of got to see a little bit of the post-Franklin, um, the post-Franklin, Clark, and Cephas life for UTSA. Franklin played in this game. Cephas and Clark did not. But mm-hmm. Chris Carpenter and, or actually no, uh, Cardenas is actually a tight end. But so Chris Carpenter was the other receiver to kind of step up in this game. If Franklin moves on, he is going to be the guy that I think I will be heavily targeting in later rounds for CFF next year as a potential wide receiver in this offense. And then again, Oscar Cardenas is a tight end. Five catches, 62 yards in this game. If he can take over one of those top receiving spots from a wide receiver, definitely a fun option right there. Willie B, I'll go to you first on this one. Anybody stick out to you in this game that you are looking forward to next year? Um, I'm, I, I still like um, what we saw out of it all. Um, that, that's the only other one that stuck out to me. I mean, he's, you know, he's uh, getting ready to be a junior. So, um, say that again. You said Vidal? Yes. Vidal. Uh, so, for Troy. 
So yeah. that that's the only other one that I mean, you know, the 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 um, average could have been better, but you know, he you know he's going to get the totes, yeah. and that and that's that's where that's what you look for in, in CFF is you know who who's getting those carries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was really consistent towards the end of the year. Um, you know, and two notes on on roster percentage. I mean, both both of these running backs that were mentioned, Barnes and Vidal. You know, if you're in a dynasty league and you're looking at that supplemental draft, you know, if you have an early one, you know, Barnes was only rostered in nine percent of leagues to end the year. Vidal, eighteen percent. So there's a good chance you can get your hands on those guys as a supplemental pick in your dynasty leagues. No, yeah, absolutely I mean, I mean, great call. Yeah, thousand yard back, nine touchdowns, and, and plus the bowl game. I mean, you, there's worse out there that people have which, on the rosters. Yeah. Which, by the way, Jared, quick note on the roster percentage. Great job fighting to get that back with along with us this year. Oh yeah, um, but we did capture the data at the end of week 13, thankfully, because as soon as week 13 was over, they eliminated the roster percentage. So if you need it, let us know. We'll pass along. I appreciate it. Um, I, th- I think campus can captured that, but if they didn't, we'll absolutely be reaching out to y'all to get that information. Cause that is okay. very, very crucial for dynasty information. Exactly. All right. Moving on to the next game here. Uh, the Fenway Bowl, the Scott Satterfield Bowl, basically. Uh, Cincinnati versus Louisville. And Scott Satterfield got to watch the team he is leaving kick the absolute crap out of the team that he is heading over to there. I think it is safe to say the Evan Prater dream is dead. <laughs> it is. It is. He's not living up to the potential that we have really been seeing. Maybe Scott Satterfield can do something. But again, he just looks lost consistently out there um i i at least i won't be heavily investing him in into him next year none of the cincinnati running backs really stood out here which is a shame because you really want one of them to step out but the louisville running back room that is where i have the most interest right now because jawar jordan Mm -hmm. nine carries 115 yards averaging 12.8 yards per carry in this game and two touchdowns broke away two really big ones i think he got hurt in this game because there's no way that he had the first half that he did and then just hardly got any carries to finish the rest of the game but we also then have maurice turner the other running back there 31 carries 160 yards no touchdowns in this game though are with jeff brom coming in there a lot of people are going to think oh this is going to be a heavy passing attack jeff brom isn't a stranger to having a singular running back tote a massive number of carries. And even though Maurice Turner is the guy who got 31 carries in this game, I do think Jawar Jordan, unless they bring in some running back next year, he's going to be the guy that is going to be getting most of those totes so long as he can stay healthy. How do you guys read the situation? Jay Mill, we'll start with you. Well, yeah, what's interesting is um, the two backs that you – wondered all year who who was going to emerge with with Cooley and, and Evans gone uh, they, they never really emerged and they're both in the portal now so you know to, to go along with what you're saying the door is wide open for Turner and Jordan to be the one-two punch here at Louisville um, you know and they both did great unfortunately you know we, we kind of got to take a little bit of a wait and see approach to see if they don't end up in the same mess that the Louisville backfield had this year where you yep. didn't know you know who to put your stock in um, I watched it. They both looked equally as good. I, I I didn't see that Jordan got hurt. I don't know if they just wanted to give both of them a chance since it was a bowl game. That happens sometimes. But uh, unbelievable performance by both and probably no coincidence that the other two running backs, Cooley and Evans, are trying to get out of town. Yeah, Willie B, 
Any thoughts from you? Uh, who, yeah, yeah. Jared, who coached – Jeremy also. Who coached this uh, game for Louisville? Deion Branch. Deion Branch. Okay, he so, was, yeah. So, he yeah, wasn't we, even we talked about that. Year. Yeah, he was yeah. a personnel guy. Um, I, I'm more interested in why uh, Satterfield didn't take one of these kids with him. That, 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 that's what I'm more interested in. One of these running in. backs? Yes. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. During the broadcast, they talked about how they compared Jordan and Turner to Thanksgiving leftovers. And, like, the other three guys were, like, the main course. And I'm just like, I don't – based on what I'm seeing right now, they're like, oh, yeah, sometimes your leftovers are better than your entree. I'm like, that's not a good sign of your program. Right, right. right. So that 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 was I was I was going well. well why did he take one of these one of these guys with him? Maybe he's taking one of the others, and then he's just got a bad uh, judgment of talent. I guess so. Could be. I, I guess so. Well, it's it's impressive. Right. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having uh, a few pieces of either one of these guys going in at twenty three. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, Jalen Mitchell and uh, Travion Cooley were both in the portal before Satterfield announced that he was leaving for Cincinnati. Oh, okay. So I I feel mm-hmm. like that. They're they're not trying they're trying to get away from Satterfield, not trying to go wherever he's going. Next up oh, here, no. uh, oh, got one more thought, Jamil? No, it was an F- Evans. I was thinking, um, he's, going, Evans. He, he's in the draft. He's going to the draft. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl, Florida versus Oregon State. This was great for me as a as a Georgia fan to watch Florida get the crap kicked out of it for sixty minutes. Oh, Man, Damian Martinez would have had an excellent, excellent day had he just stayed <laughs> healthy. Uh, injured after two carries, so not really too much to talk about there. Deshaun Fenway comes in, but he's clearly the backup option. Damian Martinez was going to be the main guy for Oregon State in this game. In terms of receivers, uh, Silas Bolden out of Oregon State. If Oregon State is in the market, and it sounds like they are for a transfer quarterback, they bring in somebody got somebody who's a little bit better than what they have right now. I think that's somebody I'm going to keep my eye on in the later rounds of CFF next year. In terms of Florida, yeesh. Uh, 11 carries for 14 yards from Montreal Johnson. 8 carries for 14 yards from Trevor Etienne. Jack Miller is not a great quarterback. I There's not really much I can I really love from Florida right now unless they make some strides this offseason. So, Willie B., your thoughts, sir? Uh, as far as Florida that's that's embarrassing um now going back to martinez i i was huge on martinez yeah as a as a true freshman i i want him to this offseason let's get in the weight room let's take care of our body he has to stay healthy for him to reach his full potential otherwise we're 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 gonna see this uh and then that's gonna be very unfortunate for him Mm mm-hmm uh, Jay Mill. No, Florida, Florida just reeks of O-line problems. I will admit I didn't watch the game, uh, you know, and, and focus on that aspect of it. But when you see stats like this, you just feel like something's got to be wrong with the offensive line. Um, I think it was Nate uh, uh, that had tweeted during the game how ironic it is that they had a quarterback like Anthony Richardson and wouldn't let him run the ball. Mm-hmm. But they let Jack Miller run the ball 13 times. Like it's something is – definitely wrong with that equation um and really yeah the the only thing that stood out in this game honestly to me is how bad florida was yeah. well i mean you, you he may have just been running for his life i mean That's he had 13 carry, 13 carry I think there was, but there were yards. more design runs than you would imagine there, there were no, some design runs early on 
yeah. <laughs> early on because they made on. no sense. Thirteen yards. It made so. no sense. Yeah. But yeah, no. Again, not not too much really to gleam out of that. And even even my Bolden call there out of Oregon State, they're a team that it it changes week to week. Uh, also, depending on what they have for lunch that day, in terms of who gets the targets. So yeah, uh, we'll definitely let's point see. out there's there's another player that was hurt and didn't play. Just just for talking Oregon State, you know, Musgrave, the tight end. I'm sure will will be wanting to come back and, and uh, prove himself after a great start this year. He's declared. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I know. I know. I know, man. I got to catch up on my who declared notes. I know. Yeah, it, it, it's so it, difficult to keep up with sometimes. All righty. Moving on to the LA Bowl. Washington State versus Fresno State. My thoughts, Washington State, what the hell was that? <laughs> completely, <laughs> oh. completely crapped the bed in this game. Uh, Cameron Ward, man, I thought he had something going by the end of the year. They come into this game and just let out a giant wet fart in the middle of the field. Nikia <laughs> Watson, I had props on him everywhere. 14 Everybody carries for, 13, for 33 yards. Just nothing out of him. Robert Farrell. That's a name I'm going to be watching going into next year. Cameron Ward, he's got to have to make a next a step up for this next year. They lose their offensive coordinator, Eric Morris, over to North Texas. They got to bring in somebody else to keep that system going. But Robert Farrell came over with Cameron Ward mm. from Incarnate Word. I threw that out there in the preseason. I'm like, hey, this is somebody to keep an eye on. Start the season off. Dejan Shribling, Lincoln Victor, uh, Renard Bell, those are the guys that you're, pro- you're pretty much targeting. But as the season went on, Robert, Fennell, Robert Farrell has kind of slowly eked his way up in terms of where Cameron Ward goes with the ball, and why not? Cameron Ward has been struggling. Let me throw it to the guy that I threw to all of last year and I have a lot of great chemistry with. If those both of those guys stay for Washington State this next year, I'm kind of interested in Robert Farrell, at least as a PPR guy. Maybe not in terms of non-PPR, because again, his at, right. his cap, his yards per catch was 6.5 in this game, so not great whatsoever. But yeah. just throwing them out there. Uh, Jay Mill, you have any thoughts on them and Fresno State guys? No, that's a good pickup. I mean, he's listed as a senior, so do we know about his eligibility? Not off the top of my head. That's why I said if. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because it is pretty amazing. He he outperforms dribbling on a points-per-game basis, barely. But, um, you know, that, that kind of shows you what you might have been missing, you know, from the Washington State offense. Uh, I, I just thought it was a great, you know, team performance. It, it really seemed like, uh, on, on the Fresno side, it seemed like they were really much more motivated to uh, to go out and, and win one as a team. You know, a lot yeah. of it was, you know, for Hayner you really got to see after the game how much that, that team appreciated Hayner and, and the the lifetime he's given them. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so props to Fresno for just coming out and playing as a unit. I, I really thought Washington State as the bigger school, you know, was going to prove like why there is a power five and a G5 and, and you know, contrary to, you know, what people might have thought going in, uh, you know, I thought Washington State was going to prove the, the, the difference there and they didn't. But um you know, we'll see with Cameron Ward. He's got a lot. He's got a, a lot to bounce back from now. All right, Willie B. Any thoughts from you, real quick? Yeah, the difference is uh, to me was um, Fresno State. They they had seniors, mm-hmm. and, and and really Fair something enough. to play for. Uh, that that that's what I that's what jumped off to me. And then secondly, uh, Cam Ward. Um, he to me, I know he stepped up in competition. He has got to get a little bit slimmer. He looks so heavy to me 
like he could couldn't he's not that dual threat that I thought he would be. So he you know he was limited as far as mobility wise for me uh, to count on him going forward unless that changes. Yeah. I, I definitely agree, and and Chris K let us hear it in the Slack when he, during this game of like I told y'all Cameron Ward was not going to be good this year, and I'm like oh, I'll get I'll give you that one, but then I throw Brandon Armstrong in his face every chance I get. So <laughs> next one up here we have the oh I got these a little out of order New Mexico Bowl, we got SMU versus BYU. I think kind of a similar deal here in terms of a lot of seniors guys leaving for SMU Tanner Mordecai Tyler Levine. Oh, guys that are heading out. Rashi Rice did not play in this game. Hard to kind of glean a ton from this game. Christopher Brooks, if he comes back for BYU, which I doubt he does, I think he is out of eligibility. He might be somebody that we're looking at again next year, but Soljay Mayaiva, I, I totally butchered that, Peters. Uh, we're going to call him SMP going forward until I can figure out how to pronounce that name. Maya maybe. What was that? Maya Vea? Maya maybe. maybe. Um, but he only passed for 45, 47 yards in this game, but ran for 96 and a touchdown. So we basically had a triple option offense going on over here with BYU. It's something to keep an eye on if he takes that step next year. If Jaron Hall decides not to come back, I might be interested a little bit, but he has to get better at passing. 47 yards passing in a game is never something I want to even have remote possibility of in CFF. But uh, Willie B, we'll go first on you. Your thoughts on this game? Anything kind of stick out to you? No, their offense kind of reminded me of um, uh, poor man's Central Michigan, what they're trying to pull off right now. Gotcha. Um, that That's about it. I mean, SMU, like you said, I mean, like I said, with the last game, too many upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that, that's, that was just it. Fair enough. Jane Bill? Yeah, really, what stands out to me is, you know, all the hype given to Cam Wheaton, and if he can't beat out Tyler Levine, you know, what's that say about Cam Wheaton right now? Yeah, I I, I agree. And then they they just brought in Jalen Knighton. LJ Johnson is rumored to be going to SMU yeah. as well. Like, I don't I don't know if Cam, Kamar Wheaton's ever going to be seeing a huge workload over there. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's funny, uh, last thing quick, is uh, I, I really thought Peter's – I'm shocked when I see he only had 12 passes. Like just just because of his rushing performance, I thought he had a much better game than the box score shows because of of how great of a runner he really proved to be. So I think there is something there. I mean, you know, he's still a seven out of 12, so his efficiency wasn't bad. So you know, if they can develop him as a passer, I, I think there could be something there to keep an eye on because he was a hell of a runner. But he also averaged. Uh, 3.9 yards per attempt. So clearly, they were giving him very safe passes. They're not. They weren't trying to. They were not trying to uh, do anything crazy with him. So, like you said, definitely needed some development going on there. Last yeah, game, we were, Brooks was just way too late with his. He turned it on way too late. We all had him hyped up in the in the during the preseason, and he, he decided to play the last four games like we thought he would. Yep. Last game we'll talk about here. Uh, I think I accidentally skipped over one of them, but I think that might be a graphic thing. So we're just going to, uh, sorry, Bryce and Southern Miss. Uh, uh, I guess we'll d- talk about it real quick. Frank Gore Jr., it's worth talking about. Oh, 21 yeah, carries, 329 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, also had a passing touchdown, two for three, 19 yards and a touchdown. Like, golly, great job, uh, 
Frank Gore Jr. I I really hope he comes back. I, I think he's already said he is going to come back he next he year. Said he's, he said he's not only coming back, but he's staying at Southern Miss. He made a per- big deal last perfect. night on Twitter. I love yep. it. I love yep. it. Incredible. He's, he'll he'll be a top CFF back next year if he keeps up yeah. this kind of performance. Obviously, I don't expect 300 yards from him every game, but still. Great yeah, job. That was fun to watch. Yeah, great job from him. Some, for some reason, my graphic for that game is just not working. Uh, and I think that's pretty much all you can really gleam out of that game for the most part. Uh, but we'll I, I, one oh. one quick thing. One more, Willie. What, what on the other side? Luke McCaffrey. Let, let's let's do something. I want him to want him to do something. Get get yourself in the portal or or whatever it needs to happen. Or or is he done? Uh, I don't think he's, he's not done, but he's he's transferred. Uh, he he's transferred once already, so I guess he could hop back in there. I mean, you know, yeah. I've seen guys in four times, so you yeah, know. you're right. <laughs> yeah, the consistency just wasn't there. I mean, he had big games where you thought, like, okay, he's going to be my 20 point guy from here on out, and then he, you know, he, he'd go missing in action. But exactly. I, I, I think I think I just don't think I just don't think Rice is the system. Mm-hmm. You might be right on that. Yeah, get him, get him again. He's a former quarterback playing wide receiver. He's going to be a guy that you can do some interesting things with. Get him to a system that will be willing to do that. Right. Yep. All right, last game we'll talk about here. Frisco Bowl, North Texas versus Boise State. Our boy Ashton GNT went off in this game 20 yards or 20 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Also added a catch for 10 yards in there as well. Uh, Taylor Green was selfish and stole his two other touchdowns, but Taylor Green had himself a pretty nice game as well. 130 yards passing a touchdown, but also nine carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He's going to be somebody I think is going to be decently interesting for CFF going into next year if they can develop him as a passer just a little bit more. What do you guys think about the tech, North Texas running back room? Ragsdale, 18 carries. Uh, Adia, uh, 12 carries. 82 yards and 63 yards, pr- respectively. Any Either one of those guys can be somebody you want to invest in next year, or do you think they're just going to keep it too split? Yeah, I think it it's, seems like a... Uh problem that we have in North Texas. They, they always seem to split those carries between two or three decent guys, and you, you never get a real superstar out of the mix, and I think that's going to continue. Will it be? No, ag- agreed. Um, I, I, I'm not trusting much until I see more consistency out of the quarterback room. Yeah, makes sense a ton. With that, I think we'll go ahead and end the show here, boys. You guys did a fantastic job. It has been wonderful having you guys on. Definitely going to have to get you guys back on here and get you guys involved in some of our off-season projects. You guys have been excellent, excellent with the content you've been providing and the content you provide on the show today. Lots of great discussion. Uh, again, before we... Ha- what was that? appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, before we head out of here, again, if you want to uh, plug in anything... Uh, again, you guys have been awesome, so I want to give you guys a chance to let people know what you're working on and where they can find you again. Really? Um, so CFFF lists, um, we're going to have obviously have our um, coaching carousel coming up. Um, the transfers, once that first deadline hits, that's going to be some of our um, first content coming in the new year. Um Everything else you you can find us on CFF's list is if you want to follow us personally, but that that's where we are, Jeremy. Right, and then you know for the for the crowd that is over on Instagram, we're we're on Instagram at just College Fantasy Football, 
Um, also, I'll, I'll tease it now, and Jared, you'll be the recipient of uh, you know something uh, free of charge when this happens. But mm. we are looking to get into the uh, college fantasy football T-shirt mix uh, at the very beginning of the new year. We know as a group and a unit, we all need to uh, boost the hobby more. Um, yep. And, and I love the fact that you and John were out there at game days with the play college fantasy football signs. Um, yes, you know, we're, we're hoping to encourage that a little more through uh, walking billboards and people uh, having some nice expressions and logos and college fantasy football t-shirts that they can sport uh, here in the next new year. I love it. I absolutely cannot wait for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so hit, hit us up and uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we get uh, you guys uh, some of that first run. Yep. Absolutely. And again, my little plug here again, you guys keep listening to Chasing Daddy. You guys have been awesome. Really appreciate all of you guys who've listened throughout the season and during the off season, especially those of you who keep with us during the early parts of the off season. You guys are the real ones. Uh you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. You can follow the podcast account over there as well as just at chasing the natty. No underscores or anything, just at chasing the natty. That's where major announcements for the show are going to be hitting and you can hit the notifications on that account and you will know as soon as the show is up you will get a notification and it'll let you know so with that being said again you guys have been awesome and really appreciate all of you guys who have been tuning in and i just want to point out real quick uh aaron anderson i talked about all the smoke about him going to lsu guess what just committed to lsu so just want to throw that in here at the end of the show really appreciate all of you guys tuned in Happy New Year, and I'll see you guys when everything comes back. Really appreciate y'all. Have a wonderful and blessed day. Take care.